chick fucks with dicks. This year can't eat our shit for racist swaps of COVID. Escape with quarantine, so come with us if you want to live. It's time for season two, you know with who the dicks are back. So get your earballs up with Alex Shu and Zach Attack. Chick flicks with dicks. Oh, oh yeah, it's chick flicks with dicks. Oh yeah. Chick fucks with dicks, you know it's chick flicks with dicks. And sometimes Krista. Chick fucks with dicks. Hey everyone, welcome to this quarantine episode of Chick Flicks. With dicks. I'm your host, Zach Stein. With me, as always, co-host extraordinaire Alex Schumacher. Maker. And joining us for a umpteenth time as special guest co-host, Miss Krusta Fanning. Hello, friends. I've missed you guys. This is awesome to be back at it. Yeah. I agree. As you can tell from the sound quality, probably, we are not all together as we are trying to practice safe social distancing, trying to be responsible, do our civic duty, and watch out for what members are left of the greatest generation. That being said, we're all recording remotely. Kind of dark. <laughs> I personally believe that civic duty is dead in this country. Oh, dude, absolutely. As a former social science teacher, that was something I really pressed hard on is civic duty and responsibility. That has fallen by the wayside. Nothing highlights it better than the whole Rona issue. But that's why we're here. We want to bring some laughter and joy and a little lightheartedness to this whole situation. Much like anyone else that started a podcast because they're fucking bored at home. <laughs> Question. I mean, more things to do. Question. Answer. We're trying to be like, you know, like, hey, we're trying to feel good and it's all lighthearted. Why the fuck did Rachel, like, give me this depressing ass movie to watch? Uh, You know, I... I... Ah, uh, I don't have an answer. I thought I might have an answer. I don't have an answer for you. Well, here and here, um, and here I thought a good friend would try to make someone not want to kill themselves. She's showing you shit could be worse, I think. Worse than having to watch this movie? I don't think uh, so. She could have made us watch uh, Sisterhood all over again. <laughs> then I could have been like, okay, and not watched it, and been like, yeah, I watched it. <laughs> it's just going to be me talk, coming up to talk shit about it again, and I'll never get bored of that. The movie that we are taking on in this episode is Life as We Know It. Had either of you ever heard of this movie? I had yes. not. Alex has. Krista has not. Oh, Alex, I assume it's because you worked at the movie theater at the time? Yes. Gotcha. That's all I knew. It, it, it exists. So this came out in 2010, and it stars <clears throat> Catherine Heigl and Josh Dumel. Dumal. Do do Hamel. How do you say his name? Anyone know? I don't know, because you can't even say his fucking character's name. Messer. It, keeps, it sounds like she's calling him Massa, and I feel so uncomfortable with it every single time she says it. I was trying to understand at what point in their careers this movie came out. Because there was this time for a few years there where Katherine Heigl seemed to be in every chick flick or rom-com or whatever sub-genre of chick flick you want to put it in. I couldn't tell if this was coming in at the end of that or if this was more towards the beginning. So looking through it, this is in 2010. By this point, she's already been in Knocked Up in 2007, in 27 Dresses in 2008, in The Ugly Truth in 2009, and she's been on Grey's Anatomy for five years by this point. And then in 2010, she was also in Killers, which I believe is with Ashton Kutcher. This is coming in at the end of her movie yeah. uh, portion. Because after this, there's a couple in here, but ones that 
I have not heard of before. Like the big wedding, one for the money, Jackie and Ryan. I've, I've never heard of those. No, so th- this is 2010 seems to be kind of like where she started falling off in the rom-com genre. Josh Duhamel, however, still has regular work. He's been on multiple TV series. He was a pretty solid character through the Shia LaBeouf Transformers. Oh shit, was he like that soldier dude? Yeah. That's where I've seen him. Okay. Didn't recognize him I- without a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I think a gun would have improved this movie. I would. I, uh, no, he would always have a beer in his hand. I don't want a gun in his other hand, especially with I a baby do. around. Ugh, fuck that baby! I hate this baby. This mm. baby looks like the baby from Twilight. Okay. <laughs> the baby okay. Is so ugly. I so. never, I never saw the baby from Twilight, but I already know it's ugly somehow. They so hide a baby's face onto a baby yeah, so that was... they could age it up and later put a small child's face on a baby. Isn't that just how God does it? Yes, but God's better at it. He's been practicing longer. Okay. She. They. <laughs> it? Um, it. So, yeah. so, starting out, this is our, our classic. We need to kind of run through what Fuck! are your thoughts. I hit $200 on my charity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know what you expected to happen. I wanted to be a hero, but not at the cost of my beard. I wanted to raise $199. But a bitch ain't one. <laughs> You asked for that. Please don't cut this out, Zach. Oh, no, I won't. This is staying in, and I'm going to post a link to that. So, <laughs> And if you have an expiration date on that thing, I'll start a new one. <laughs> you won't have a beard for the rest of your life. <laughs> Life's not worth living. I agree with you, sir. As a, um, as a beardophile. Exactly. I actually got complimented on my beard the other night. We did uh, the... Uh, oh crap what's it called like the small business saturday or whatever it is where you you order from like a local restaurant that needs the business especially mm-hmm. during this whole isolation thing i walked in to pick up the food it was just dead in there and it's usually packed which is crazy to see someone asked me whoa your beard's awesome how long did that take you and i said well how long has quarantine been going <laughs> <laughs> they, they were like what and i'm like no i'm kidding i'm kidding i've been doing this since like the beginning of february so <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, You're a beautiful man. I try. Okay, so looking at the movie Life as We Know It, we need to do our rounds and see sort of your one sentence takeaway, your one sentence overview. Crystal, let's start with you. It's like watching a jar of mayonnaise and a bottle of Southern Comfort fall in love. <gasps> That's what uh, the movie is like. Uh, I just had flashbacks like in college where you would where you would play dumb drinking games. And like one of the thing challenges you would have to do is people would get to randomly choose shit that goes in a shot glass or or in a, or yeah. in like a red solo cup. That's all I can see. And somebody oh. had the conceit of this movie, and they're like, "Who can we get? Let's go with Catherine Heigl." And she was like, "Fucking fine, I'll play this character again." The like competent woman who has surprised baby. Maybe she's just a good mother, Krista. I'm not saying she's a good or bad mother. I'm just saying. This is a well-tread character for Katherine Heigl. Well, maybe she was born to play it. Probably. And that's why she still doesn't have a kid to this day in real life. Oh. All right, Alex, what did you think? Who'd have thought a social worker would have made a really good plot goblin? (laughs) (laughs) 
I love her. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I <laughs> thought she was a, an excellent addition to that. I feel like I've seen her before, but I, I couldn't place her and I didn't take the time to actually look it up. She but. reminds me of a sexy Mia Farrow. No, not Mia Farrow. Huh. Mira, uh, Mia Perlman. Yeah, from Cheers. Dana DeVito's wife. She looks like a taller, not like grumbly like. Oh, she's from I Love You, Man. Oh, I'm trying to remember which character she was, but that's that's what I recognize her from. The only thing I remember oh. from I Love You, Man is Slap It to Bass. Slap It to Bass. Slap It to Bass. Okay, my one sentence wrap up on the life as we know it. I felt like they were trying to do too much with what could have been a halfway decent comedy. Yeah. But yeah. they were trying to almost make it a dramedy, but they'd never that that's my one sentence. That's my issue is is I felt like they had the bones necessary for a good comedy and they just kind of missed it. That's what yeah. we're gonna dive into. Starting out, we meet Josh Dumel's character, and he goes by his last name, which is Messer, uh, which makes me think of like a frat boy. Absolutely. That's how his character came across in the beginning. Josh Dumel's character, Messer, shows up an hour late to a blind date to pick up Catherine Heigl's. What a pimp. To pick up Catherine Heigl's character, Holly. I'm actually going to try to be better this season at learning the character names. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I made sure to do that too, and I just now learned her name was Holly. <laughs> I only I, remember Messers because it pissed me off so much. I have a real problem with this scene. With him showing up an hour late? With that, because the first thing he says to her is, am I late? And she responds about an hour or so, and he says, Allison said you would say something, which to me is entrapment. Like he's trying to make her look bad, but she only said something because he asked about it. Yeah, do you not know how sociopaths work? I fucking hate this character. Like the whole movie is just reasons Catherine Heigl should not be with this man. So hang on a second. Are you saying that you actually relate to Catherine Heigl's character? I'm saying I think they tried to characterize her as this perfectionist and this like neurotic person, but they didn't back it up with actions. Yes, that's definitely an issue. I I agree that it can be seen as entrapment. I actually am not a huge Catherine Heigl fan. She's what? one of my least favorite people. Why? I don't like her in Knocked Up. I don't like her in... I don't think I've ever seen 27 Dresses. I know I've seen The Ugly Truth, and I don't really like her in that. She Uh, plays the same character in everything. I like, do not like her in Grey's Anatomy at all. Yeah, I never watched Grey's Anatomy, to be fair. Fun fact, I refused to watch Grey's Anatomy for almost a decade because it was on the same time slot as The Office. Mm. And so it stole viewers from The Office. I was a diehard Office fan. Like every week I had Office watch parties. That was my jam. That's who you were competing against. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. ER was better. <laughs> That's what I would say to my friends to You're just piss wrong. them off. But Rachel's a big fan. She got me hooked on it. And I actually like some of the characters. I like some of the development. Their early stories, I think, are pretty good. I'm only through like the first three or four seasons. But I know they start killing people off right around there. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to see how they do that. I know I've seen a couple of recent episodes and I'm like, ah, I, nah, yeah, Scrubs nah. is better. Scrubs is number. I love Scrubs mm. so much. I'm. Have you listened to Zach Braff and uh, is it Donald Google Faison's? Play? I don't know. Maybe. I, I would assume there. so. I couldn't find it. It wouldn't pop up the day that I sent you the link, it was like two days later that I was able to find it. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not a big Catherine Heigl fan at all. I also saw her in interviews and read a lot about people working with her and just I felt like she always came across kind of pretentious and full of it. I don't think she had any right to be. Well, I think that's a lot of her characters. Yeah. 
No, I, I can see that. She definitely comes across typecasted, basically, at that point. <laughs> well, well I wouldn't. One hundred percent, she's being typecasted. I, well, I'm just saying, I wouldn't mind being married to her. So, in the unlikely case that happens, you're gonna have to learn to love her. That's fine, but she'll never be on the podcast. I'm just letting you know. That's where my foot comes down. <laughs> what if she's really good at roasting herself? Like that's good content. Yeah. What if she's like so self aware of it? Uh, I would bet my left nut that she's not. But yeah, well, I'll take that. Listen, as long as we're open to the possibilities, I think we're fine. Rachel just said, don't be betting those. (laughs) (laughs) Messer shows up late to pick up Kathy Michael's character, Holly. (laughs) He's kind of standoffish and douchey about it, but also kind of like, eh, whatever, no big deal. They walk out. He's going to drive them to their date. He's got a motorcycle. She's wearing like a real nice dress. There's no way that she's swinging her legs over the back of a motorcycle. Like that's, that's not, not I happening. mean, not, not with her attitude anyway. Christina Hendricks is terrible at setting people up. Yes. And I that as like a statement about their personalities or like anything about whether they should be in a relationship, just the mechanics of setting people up. She failed you because know, there has to be some discussion as to what appropriate clothing is. You know, I'd say that she's just as bad at setting people up as she is bad at driving. Ooh, but do we know that she was the one driving? We'll get to that. So, (laughs) Catherine Heigl is best friends with the wife. And and Josh Duhamel's character, Messer, is best friends with the husband of this couple that they both happen to know. And so the couple tries to set them up on this blind date. It's shown through this montage that takes place after. This basically goes to shit real quick. She refuses to ride the bike. She says she'll drive and she's got like this tiny ass smart car that Messer tries to get in. And I, I had an issue with this. First off, yes, those are small, but they made it look like he was struggling to fit in there. But I felt like he was acting like he was struggling to fit in there. Not like he actually struggled to fit in there. It's I was visual like, comedy. But fine. I I did not. I did, did. Did you find it funny? Absolutely not. Okay, just making sure. And that's the thing is, I usually I like him, and I was like, I feel like this was a swing and a miss oh, at yeah. a lot of points. Well, maybe um, maybe the allegory of him having trouble getting in the car is that he's uncomfortable in the situation, thus setting up the disdain they have for each other in the future. I can tell because her drapes were blue. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know what, Alex? That's that's very insightful. I think Alex just killed the podcast. (laughs) There's no need for any further discussion about any movies. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so here's the part that really gets me. Is they're in the car and he gets a phone call. Yeah. And I love the song. (laughs) Put over that ass too fat. Put over that ass too fat. And I'm just like, it just keeps ringing. And Holly was like, okay, fine. You can go ahead and answer it. And he does. And he very clearly is having a conversation with another woman. (laughs) A sick woman. (laughs) He says, I'm a little busy right now, but uh, 11 o'clock. You know what? Let's make it 1030. And just very clearly is setting up a booty call right next to Holly. (laughs) Why did this man show up? Why did he agree to this? Uh, he I, answers your question 10 seconds later. He does? Yeah, he's there to fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like, it basically says because our because our best friend set us up, we kind of have to say that we tried. As is How tradition. He's like, he's like, it's a Saturday night. I just want to have a little fun. You know, what do you like to do for fun? You look like you read. You you can go read a good book and we can just skip this whole, <laughs> this whole let's make small talk and pretend like we actually give a shit. If I set up one of my friends with a friend of my boyfriend and that friend of my boyfriend's was an asshole like that, 
I would be very upset with my partner. I'd be like, why would you suggest him? Like, <laughs> like again, because I'm an it. asshole. Yeah. She fails at the mechanics of setting people up. She's just bad at it. But does she? Yes, absolutely. But does she? Yes. <laughs> She's really sticking by that answer. So then we see roll opening credits. And th- this is first off. This is really weird. The, uh, I I have a note here. <clears throat> For the montage, I put, keep sexually assaulting women until they love me. Yep. <laughs> so we have this opening montage. It's basically just running through the events of Messer and Holly's friends' lives. So they're friends. It shows them at the wedding. They are the best man and the maid of honor. Holly's trying to give her really emotional speech, and she's right in the middle of it. All of a sudden, the new husband starts laughing out loud and pointing over. He's like, look at Messer. And Messer is in the back. During this whole thing, it does look like he's sexually assaulting this like waitress or server that's at the wedding. Uh, no, I thought he just, was like straight up just like making out with her. Like she was all on him too. Yeah, I thought she was making. He, they were making out. And then his hands like, could not have been deeper in the crevice of her ass. I think she was okay with that. She also hates him still for that. The next thing we see is they're at yeah, it's the Christmas party. He's got someone there. She's got someone there. He's very clearly going to get laid, and she very clearly is not interested in the person that she's been set up with by her friend again. Uh, Hendricks probably told him that they were like going to go throw axes at a bar. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad she dies. I hate her. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, sorry. So we're not even out of the opening credits yet. And then we see them in a baby room. Then we see them at a baby's first birthday party. What's the baby's name? Sophie? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, okay. uh, well at the uh, very end of the montage, it like fades out of the baby's face. Mm-hmm. And I have a note for that. It just says ugly ass baby. Because <laughs> it's an ugly ass baby. It, it, it I is. I don't understand. Why did they pick that baby? Because I it took no a idea. fall the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, Krista, because it could take a hit or two. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a very sturdy baby. The, the only real thing that I took away from all this is okay, she hates him. They're best friends with this couple. That's why they're still in each other's lives on and off, whatever. But really, the best part that I took away from all of this was the neighbors. So the neighborhood that the husband and wife live in, they regularly throw the parties and stuff. You can tell because they always have the neighbors over. Yeah. And I love the cast of neighbors. I thought I thought the cast of neighbors was fantastic. Minus and one they, person. Who? Uh, here, I have a note here that says, oh, for fuck's sake, is that Melissa Fatty Falls Down <laughs> McCarthy? I love Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I, okay, if we're going to have a quick discussion on Melissa McCarthy, I will say this. Melissa McCarthy is a fan-fucking-tastic actress. Fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, the sad part is she allows herself to be typecasted. She actually typecasts herself because she produces a lot of these fucking movies where she's Tammy or just like any like, you know, oh, I'm the goofy, funny, fat girl. Oh, I fell over. <laughs> I don't know. It's just really disappointing to me because I think it's a squandery of her excellent talent. I would have to disagree because I think that those are what set her up fame-wise for the opportunity to try some of the other ones that have been nominated at Sundance Film Festival and for Oscars. But she was already established before these movies. Not as (sighs) well. No, I mean, the the physical comedy is what got her into it because she, I mean, Sookie was not a physical comic person, right? Uh, She sort of showcased that for the first time, really, in Bridesmaids. Which was after this movie, right? Like, and I think she was really good in this role. I do too. Yeah, yeah that's she, right. I mean, she, I, no, I, I don't, I don't hate her. I just get really disappointed in her. And that's where I'm like, I, I, I'm not. I think she's made some pretty good career moves. She's done very 
well for herself and oh definitely she's definitely made more money than i will ever fucking see (laughs) or most people in the world combined will ever see no she's successful i'm not saying she's she's successful i'm saying she's squandering her fucking talent would you say that about other comedians that started in comedy before they were able to but she was in drama before she was in comedy no i wouldn't call it drama what was the tv character was was never really what gilmore girls she was never really she was the comedic relief in that as well right i mean like that's so so she's always had that bone with her right but it's kind of like brendan fraser okay you would never think brendan fraser was something worth crying over ever are you kidding me his acting in encino man hands down some of his best work ever and that's fine and if he died after encino man people wouldn't care for that long but scrubs you know just he's only been on a couple times and they killed him and i've never been more sad of Brendan Fraser than <laughs> that moment ever. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying though. So like when Melissa McCarthy would be in, you know, she's in Gilmore Girls, right? But every now and then she would have that dramatic scene where she does in the you know, in the minor parts that she can, she shows that drama and she can fucking nail it. And she did. I yeah. also say that there's an issue with we're comparing her on TV versus making the jump to the big screen, which most people fail at, right? Right. And having to make that jump, I think she took the solid route of ran what she knew. She ran the physical comedy. No, and it, it was the, the it problem was. i think more is that it was back to back to back to back yeah is that it was that's where it really comes out is that she had all these roles lined up before i think anyone realized she was going to going to be as big as she was you right. know because all of these movies that we're talking about came in out between 2011 and 2013 2014 those contracts guarantee had been in the works for years before all right then i will i, I will tell you one more thing that'll make you agree with my disdain from Liz mccarthy tammy comes out right i'm working i'm working the movie theater and all the clientele comes in looking exactly like tammy whatever <laughs> that's okay like that, that's fine <laughs> whatever I, I i was already nihilist by that point anyway didn't really change anything but then after the movie this this particular tammy that walked out of the theater she's with her you know tammy clan and she's like hey guys watch this and she tries to do the jumping over the counter bit on my counter <laughs> willie didn't make it <laughs> and then she's like ah and I just wanted to scream. I'm not calling an ambulance because then now you'll never learn. <laughs> you just. But I had we learn. I had well, I had to call her an ambulance because she's like, "Hey guys, just, you know what we just saw in this movie? I'm gonna be famous." And then she just like, I don't know if she broke her hip or not. I didn't really care. I was just really mm-hmm. disappointed with like humanity in general. Yeah, I'm scarred. Where so yeah, the neighbors. That's that's <laughs> where we're <laughs> we're talking about the neighbors. Oh, I have and one Melissa more. McCarthy is one of the neighbors. I have one more note about the neighbors. Is that Will Sasso? When did Will Sasso? Sasso get jacked. Is that Will Sasso? Yes, it was. Okay. I was like, I'm not crazy. Oh, I did not see. I did not notice that at all. Yeah, no, I I loved the casting. I thought it was fantastic. They definitely help alleviate some of the tension moving forward through multiple party scenes that we see. One of my favorite casting in this was uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, He's one of the other button pushers. So Messer's character, we find out, is an assistant director, assistant technical director for the Atlanta Hawks basketball team for their broadcasts. Um, And Kumail is the other guy that's sitting next to him. And I just feel like he has very little screen time, but his lines were some of my favorite in the entire movie. Like every time the director called something out, he just looked so angry and he just leans over and whispers, I hate him so much. I want to frame him for someone's murder. <laughs> and like, I laughed out loud at that. Uh, <laughs> this, this movie's supporting cast is the best part of the movie. Yeah, agreed. Like uh, that baby really carried the it. Worker, the neighbors, the best part. They really leaned on them for the humorous parts. I don't think a lot of the humor came from Messer and Holly. Yeah, uh, and they're also 
deeply unlikable people. Yes. So it's not enjoyable watching them fall in love. Yes. No, not at all. I did like Messer. I felt like that's someone that I would have partied with <laughs> when I was younger. But he's like my age now in this movie. And that's where I'm like, I would have partied with you in like college. I yeah. don't think like, that's... Yeah. You know one thing I actually did love about this movie? I love um, movies or TV shows that will take you in like an industry that's not really like known how how it works. Yeah, that was interesting. So yeah. yeah, like it's like you learn something slightly like without like, you know, them trying to. It's like, oh, now I know how that's done. That's cool. Yeah. Now, I mean, now being in 2020, it's probably much fucking different. But, you know, because only <laughs> robots about, have jobs now. You're, you're talking about Holly being a baker right yeah how yeah. the fuck are cakes okay. made i feel like there was a major thing going on at this point in time where the love interest like female character in movies and television uh were owners of these small bakeries oh right i mean am it i wrong very 2010 like i mean thank you exactly it feels if like, you like this movie right at this point and told me what her job was and then asked me to tell you what year it was made i would have said 2010 well yeah yes. you know exactly when the uh when it was made because uh he told you what uh what team was up for the uh conference title or not the conference their uh yeah, because that's definitely knowledge i just have yeah it should be <laughs> it should not Something that we should mention is that at one of the parties, we find out that Messer and Holly are the godparents. And we only find out in passing when the parents say, all right, we need a picture with Sophie and her godparents at her first birthday party. And yeah. they lean in. And I was like, what? How's that work? Are they actually her godparents or are they? And Symb then I realized, I realized, I looked at Rachel and I said, are they going to kill the parents? And she says, I don't know, which I know it's a lie. <laughs> so, I, like, that's the only route that this could take. At first, I thought maybe they'd let them, uh, like, that this movie was them, I don't know, practicing. They, It's a couple that was thinking about having kids, and they borrowed their friend's kid or something, or they like they were watching them or something, you know? I mean, that's what it ended up feeling like. Well, and that's, I feel like that's what it started maybe on the storyboard. Yeah. But that one line about them being godparents, as soon as they said that, I was like, ooh, this is going to take a weird turn. Well, that's not the only way it could have gone. Like, the parents could have abandoned the child to go do hood rat shit for a while. I mean, we don't. I would have liked that better. That would have been funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a note that says, like, eh, felt like being unresponsible. Going to go do hood rat shit. Be back, maybe. Feedback, maybe. Please take care of baby. So that was my first what the fuck moment, though, was they killed the parents. Again, there were good bones set up and established in the beginning for a halfway decent comedy to take place. Then they killed the parents. And I was like, this got super dark real quick. Oh, no, it's still, it's still comedy. It's still comedy. That was my issue. You have dramedies. You can do a dramedy very well where there's a good balance or even a dark comedy. Like you can do that. There was drama and there was comedy, but both were sharp. There was no blending of the two. Yeah. But and, but you can argue that, no, that scene was still was still comedy. So that was my first what the fuck moment. My second what the fuck moment was followed almost immediately after when Messer and Holly are called to the police station because they were like the next point of contact. And so apparently the parents of this little girl 
died in a car accident. The little girl was not with them. She was at home with the babysitter. I think she cut the brakes. <laughs> the babysitter or the girl? The, or the, the baby? The baby. They end up going to the house. They're trying to get a hold of social services so that they could get Sophie. And I was like, this is weird. Again, it took a dark turn after having tried to set up that it was going to be funny. Yeah. They had to wait till the next day. So they sleep in the house of their dead friends. Or I'm sure they probably didn't sleep much. I wouldn't. I know that. Like, I, if my yeah. best friends, you know, their lawyer shows up. The parents' lawyer shows up. Turns out that the husband of the couple is a junior, was a junior partner in this law firm. And so his law firm are the ones that represent their estate. David from the office is the lawyer, which was kind of a surprise, yeah. uh, followed swiftly by him explaining that they are both to share custody of Sophie and that they both now own the house, which is covered. The mortgage is covered. They don't have to worry about that. They only have to worry about like upkeep and taxes, which how they make is, a big deal of. Did they establish how the mortgage was covered? You could have been in a trust. Uh, no, they said that that was what the insurance went towards. Oh. The that, that they used it as an investment property specifically for Sophie because they want her to grow up in that house, in that neighborhood, in that school area, whatever. So, um, so um, son, I hate to interrupt you guys. We missed a key pivotal uh, plot point in the movie. Well, it's actually Actually, uh, it's a foreshadowing moment uh, where they're setting up the uh, bouncy house for Sophie's first first birthday before the parents died. They uh, mug those kids with the weed. <laughs> and I put down a note saying delivery kids always carry weed prime robbery targets. <laughs> yeah, they, they take a baggie that. of weed from like these guys to deliver to bouncy castle. That's pretty rude of them. Weren't they like an hour late and they were <laughs> the wife tried no, that telling was, the husband to tip them? No, that was Messer and who was so- an hour late. No, no, no. They were an hour late to set up, and then he had to set everything up, and he's he's like, they're an hour late. I have to set it all up, and I have to tip them? This is ridiculous. You know what? I think there's a reoccurring recurring theme here, because they were an hour late, Messer was an hour late. I just think this is, the whole message here is, love isn't, al- no, love isn't always on time. No. And don't I try don't to call my ass <laughs> out, because I'm late to everything. This is my second what the fuck moment, though, is how irresponsible are the parents of this child that they Fucking left her? <laughs> they leave her to their two best friends who are not in a relationship and flat out hate each other. And they like, don't tell them. Right. And that's the other thing. They, they had no idea. What the fuck? And like, I get it. There's not a lot of family. And maybe they weren't expecting it to die and they just put a name down because they had to. But God damn it. Yeah, it is. What if what if the, when they're in the car accident, they were on their way to tell them that they just did that? But they weren't heading to meet each other, right? Messer was like on a blind date or something. And Could have been a surprise. And well, Holly was in the tub. Trying to find Sam. Oh, trying to call Sam. Yeah, Sam. Dr. Sam. Fucking- who is played by the guy from Sweet Home Alabama. I don't know how I knew that. As soon as he showed up, I said, I think that's the guy from Sweet Home Alabama. I don't think I've ever seen that complete movie. Did I just see, know that he's in that. Did he seem very orange to you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You noticed that too? Yes. Yeah. There's like one scene where the lighting's weird and he just looks like Donald Trump times four. <laughs> where he was just orange as shit. Just for no reason. Did you guys, I don't know if this was a thing with my TV or if this is how they shot it, but there were a lot of scenes where the lighting in the background was like really diffused and it made it look like it was glowing. And the only time I see that lighting used in movies is like in heaven but i don't 
Yeah. Oh, I, I, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I saw that and I noticed that in a couple of spots, especially uh, with like the French, like with the French doors and stuff yeah. and the light shining. Th- yeah. Yeah. No, I, I got you. I you think that, you think that, that they were trying to send a message? I have The filmmakers were. You, just, see the, you see these two parents? They're going to heaven soon. That baby stays here, though. I mean, it, in all the scenes that they appeared in, the lighting was like fuzzy, but then it was also somewhere later in the movie. Like it was just a very confusing choice. I will I do have to say some parts of this, pick your lane, right? Yes. Be a comedy, be a drama, be a dramedy, be a dark comedy, like, but pick a fucking lane because some of the drama parts I felt were okay too. I, I was like, if they weren't trying to blend these together and they just chose one or the other, I would have been more okay with it. But for me, there were parts to this that were a little too real for me that like hit home for me. Yeah. Being a yeah. dad, you know, the idea of it. So I, I have to put it in the context sometimes for how I'm watching it. But so I, I know I don't really have any room to give you advice. Cause like I'm not a mother. <laughs> I barely have my life together. Don't treat your children's lives like meat cutes. Yeah, no, I don't think I should. They're not a plot device. No, and that's just it. Is one hundred percent. Sophie was a plot device. Now I will say at least at least this was not baby centric. Like it was not focused on her. She was just sort of she was a plot device focused on what was around her exactly. And at least they were consistent with that. I give them credit. Fucked up when she gets older though, because there's going to come a time (laughs) where they tell the family lore of how her quote unquote parents got together, and she's going to realize at some point my parents are only together because my biological parents were idiots yeah it, they're they're a conduit for so much love like <laughs> and car just, accidents christina hendrix fuck you i'm very upset at her well, so don't worry about her we, she's dead so they have to go to court and the judge has to grant custody and so you're i'm thinking like there's going to be a custody hearing like they have to present some information or something to show that they are well-established citizens and stable parents ready to provide a stable household for this child no, nothing. Not even a little. They call the court case. They come in. Literally, all the judge says is, I don't see any reason to go against the wishes of the parents. So Except I agree. You fucking stupid. This judge is terrible at her job. I'm so mad at everyone. You know, Messer makes a good point. This is where I really start liking his character is because he's kind of like, whoa, hang on a second. You're just like that. We don't, there's nothing. You have no questions for us. I mean, we could be pimps or drug dealers. And the judge just looks at him and goes, are you pimps or drug dealers? And they're like, well, no, but that's not the point. (laughs) And then it runs through what I think are the normal tropes in these baby comedy movies. Like you look at uh, three, is it three men and a baby, three guys, three guys and a baby, three Three men men and a baby. baby. Yeah. Three men and a baby. Any movie from the eighties on where people get a baby that is not theirs. You have these cutaway gags of them changing poopy diapers and, is that a commonly used trope? Uh, Pooping in what? It, in a hat. hat. No, in that hat. was that was an allegory, Krista. That was an allegory <laughs> for shitting on his life. No, um, what hat wasn't? It was a blues hat. It was a blues hat. The directors <laughs> are trying to tell you that the blues are shit. Super vital allegory that needed to happen. This there. is this is uh, Stanley Kubrick level of uh, deep. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. One of my notes is poop and hat equals comedy? Question mark. I mean, apparently. I mean, I like poop jokes. You know, I'm people find them immature. But that's why I like them because in those moments, I don't have to be a mature adult. I can giggle at poop, which actually takes us into the next bit I've got written down is. 
when they're changing Sophie's diaper, yeah. the neighbors show up in the middle of it. Messer, like, peaced out. He straight up just left the room. He was like, nope, not doing it. And so he answers the door and everyone comes in. Melissa McCarthy's character's there. And he goes up to let Holly know that he says... <laughs> The neighborhood watch stop by with food. She comes downstairs. He keeps trying to tell her she's got shit on her face. She has a string of poop on her face and she keeps cutting him off and cutting him off. Sure as shit, she walks down the stairs all happy-go-lucky and all the neighbors are looking at her and she's like, what? What's wrong? And Melissa McCarthy, without missing a beat, she's like, sweetie, you have shit on your face. (laughs) And I left (laughs) so hard because of the delivery. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, That was when I really started liking Melissa's character. Like before that, I was like, okay, fine. And then she said that. I was like, okay, I'm I'm down for the neighbors. This is the scene where the neighbors are all trying to give Messer and Holly advice on parenting because all of them have kids. I actually, again, I I liked the neighbors. Like in this situation, there's comedy, but they're also telling them actual things. Like I know the preschool that the parents wanted Sophie to go to. Uh, You might want to start making donations now. Because the wait list is so long. It's years out. I'm familiar trying to find a preschool for your kid. You have to start early if you want a halfway decent one because the wait list can be so long. One of my favorite lines from this whole portion came from one of the dads. Oh, it's Melissa McCarthy's husband who was like, I don't really get to watch anything that I like, but uh, I I can tell you if I knew where the Wiggles lived and I'm trying, trying to find them. (laughs) But uh, yeah. I would murder them with an AK-47. AK-47. Oh, I fully, I can, I can support that. You lose the the freedom to watch what you want. Things become all of not. Rachel just said not that you had it anyways. That's true. I don't, I don't, I don't control. I don't, I don't control the remote in my house. Jesus, you probably said that with a shitting grin too. Honey, you got shit in your grin. Then we see another montage. We see another montage of them trying to do stuff. Like this is where the the shit in the hat comes. That's because yeah. they're trying to give Sophie a bath. Holly was like, oh, she's making the poop face. So clearly establishing that they're learning. They know what her poop face is. They try to get her to the toilet, but they can't get the toilet open because it has one of those childproof locks on it. <laughs> and so she grabs Messer's hat off of his head and puts it on the on Sophie's butt. And she proceeds to shit in the hat. They had a good message here. Kids are resilient. And we see that when Messer is trying on a baby Bjorn and he sticks Sophie in it and she just, she falls right through. He just drops the kid. Onto the floor. He's like, oh shit. And like goes to pick her up and he just kind of dusts her off. She's okay. And he like looks around to make sure that no one saw it. Some physical comedy like this is good. Get rid of the drama part. Run with this one. Well, aren't babies also like very durable too? Oh, they are. But then they don't get rid of the the drama. In fact, they use... The last bit of this montage for them to notice that Sophie has a little bump on her belly yeah. that that wasn't there before. And so they're, they're concerned because they don't know what it is or where it came from. You know, is it something serious? And so they set up an appointment with Sophie's doctor, who happens to be the Dr. Sam we've referenced in the past. Turns out to be the pediatrician. He came in to Holly's bakery a lot right it's like a a mom and pop Panera Bread because you sell sandwiches too yeah I don't think it's clear what that place sells well obviously cupcakes and cakes but then you also see like sandwiches and shit and there's gonna be a restaurant so it's like a Panera Bread she made him a croissant with turkey does anyone remember the name of the bakery no Frisch Frisch yeah that's right on his 36th visit that's what it was he had visited 35 
times. And on his 36th time, Holly meets him at the register again. Uh, she's the owner. She's not the one that should be running the register. Like that's not her job. But every time he comes in, she would jump on it. And so they had their little flirt thing going. That's who she was trying to call the night she found out that her friend had died. Dr. Sam walks in and here's what I mean by they did not go away from the drama. They had this moment where she explains to him, she sort of has this breakdown. First off, making sure that she didn't do this to Sophie, that this little protrusion in her stomach wasn't. And it, and it wasn't anything big. It was nothing major. Doctor was like, yeah, don't worry about it. This happens. It'll take care of itself. It was like an umbilical hernia. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. But she has this breakdown running through everything that just happened and the fact that her best friend left her child. She's like, she could have left me her pearls or some jewelry or whatever. You know, or, But I can't or, pawn a baby. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not with that I attitude. Can. I can't legally Asian pawn friends. a baby. I had to pay them on my taxes then. But in this moment, I realized she never got the opportunity to fully – yeah. Process the loss of her best friend, let alone process the position that she is now currently in. And that's when and it so- turns into a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> she picks up the scalpel and just start. No, like she take like, well, they even like hint, like, you know, say to each other, like, you really remind me of her right now. And like, that's a constant theme. They're just like, we're becoming them. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah it was, that was, uh, I don't know. You can see that as a horror movie, I guess. In that moment, again, I enjoyed the drama and I'm not a Katherine Heigl fan, but I liked that moment. I was like, that scene was very well done. If yeah. they had gone that route, I would have really enjoyed that. Yeah, but then we bounce back to the funny parts, such as he listens to her. He says, you know, she's going to be fine. And then he writes her a prescription, not the baby, but Holly, and says, this is for you. And all it says is like a bottle of red wine, two glasses or something. One or two glasses is needed. And so the next scene, she's at home and she is clearly drunk. The almost entire bottle of wine and Messer comes home. She's clearly wasted. Again, he handled her very well. She was making comments and talking about how much of an asshole he was when they first met. And he was very calm and patient. He was like, I think you should go to bed. And he tried to help her up to bed and someone rang the doorbell. And this is where we get introduced to the social services caseworker. Or as I call her, my plot goblin. Exactly. Your plot goblin. I hate this introduction. So much. (laughs) Why? Why do you hate it? It's like nine o'clock at night. Thank you. Coming over to this house. For a surprise but, visit. For a, but to like interview them. All right, Krista. I, and why would it be unreasonable for Holly to be drunk? the baby. pretty sure domestics happen mostly at night. So if anything, she's the best social worker that's ever. But you would come over for like a visit. Like, I don't feel like the surprise visit, the first one would be nine o'clock at night. Yeah, I don't either. And I also don't see what the issue would do with Catherine Heigl being drunk. Especially not at nine o'clock at night. Like, why is that? I don't, it feels like manufactured conflict, which sucks. Well, it, I mean, it absolutely is manufactured. It yeah. 100% was. Yeah. Not wrong with I that. agree. A stupid level. Oh, just. See, that's what I mean. They should have stuck with the drama side. And no, they, they tried using this as a comedic tone, like a comedic shift again. Like, oh, what shenanigans are they going to get into here? But that failed. That fell on its face. Yeah. It wasn't funny. Catherine Heigl was trying to make funny comments. Holly was. But they would just get to the point. But I got to say, love the social services lady because mm-hmm. she drops fucking truth bombs. She's like, look. The fact of the matter is, I'm here to assess you on whether or not you are good enough for Sophie. She's like, Sophie will be fine. <laughs> like, that's not who we're worried about at this moment. We need to know <clears throat> you. And she asked them, you know, are they sleeping together or whatever? And they're like, oh God, no, no, that that would never happen. You know, no, no, there's nothing there. And she's like, good, because the second that that does, we have issues. There's no need for that extra conflict to be here. 
And then you're like, okay, well, we know that they're going to end up boning eventually because of the type of movie it is, but also mm-hmm. now because you've established what cannot happen, which means it's going to happen. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do this. Well, now I just want to. Chick fucks with dicks. This is where I was saying, uh, you know, Holly had her chance to have her breakdown in the doctor's office, but Messer hadn't had his yet. And I knew it was coming. This is the moment where he has his breakdown. And then I recognized there that he also never got the chance to mourn. Neither one of them did. Yeah. Yeah, they They were definitely thrown into it before they had any opportunity to do anything. Absolutely. Right away, they were thrown into it. And again, that's a good concept. I would be like, yes, dive into that, you know, run that route. And they sort of have this come to Jesus moment here where they both recognize that, yeah, they're in this together. They are struggling, but they're not alone. This is where they finally decide to start making the place their own, to make the house like their own home. Because up till now, they hadn't changed anything in the house. All the pictures are still the same. All the items are the same. They hadn't even gone into their friend's bedroom. They hadn't cleaned anything out. One of them makes a comment about how it's it's almost more like a mausoleum. Or yeah. that they're waiting for them to come home. Right. And that they have to accept the fact that they're never coming back. In order mm-hmm. for them to be in a position to be the best parental figures that they could be, they need to have their stuff that makes them feel comfortable. And then they start running through, I think, some of the important pieces here of Sophie growing up. Uh, so she's learning how to walk. And I love this part. I love that you know it shows her running around in a diaper and like baby chucks, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that it shows the uh, Messer and Holly in different outfits at different times of the day. So they're trying to show, obviously, time is passing. It's another montage. But this one I didn't mind. I was like, yeah, no, it's that's what it's like. You're constantly chasing them back and forth. They get faster at it and better at it. And then at one point, Messer walks by and he's just in, in his underwear and tennis shoes drinking a beer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I put this on here. <clears throat> he works out and is health conscious. She is a baker. This summer, you find out that opposites attract after that i put i miss shaking hands and hugging people (laughs) (laughs) this is where they go to the supermarket they run into dr sam there but not before holly wants to see how messer picks up women and finds out that he's using sophie to do it (laughs) i mean good flex good flex he's a smart guy yeah respect the drip (laughs) the baby drip oh (laughs) ew Rachel just said, oh, that's disgusting. Well, she's got to deal with it. She wouldn't be a mom. Oh. Well, <laughs> So they run into Dr. Sam and Messer walks away after being told to because he's embarrassing Holly. Holly sets a date with Dr. Sam. The camera keeps cutting back to Messer and you're like, yeah, okay, there's the, there's the little hint of jealousy of the, like, I wish it could be me type thing or, or whatever he was feeling at the time. But that's where they have to like go to the ER, right? Because Sophie has a fever or something. She got a temp- yeah. high spike temperature. No, no, no. They went yeah. on the date and then got the spike Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her and her and the doctor when went on the date, right? Messer get the opportunity with the game and she has a thing going on with work. So he has to figure out the baby and he like leaves the baby with the cabbie. Is that oh, after that's, the date or before? That is after okay. the date, I believe. Yeah, because I think I have notes on that. I do because because okay. uh, Kumail has another one of my favorite lines from the movie. So I have that written okay. down. Yeah, okay. that's a, yes. So Holly and Dr. Sam go on the date. It gets interrupted because Messer calls to talk to the doctor, not to talk to Holly about about Sophie having this spiked fever. He gets them set up. He said, hey, take her to, to this ER. I know the doctor that's on call there tonight. I'll give him a call and let him know you're on the way. You won't have to wait. Giving them the VIP treatment, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I 
I never got like a creep vibe from him through no, the movie at all. Bad for him. I liked his character. I thought he was a thought yeah. it was a good character. He reminds me, of, you know, you you see this type of character come through in situations like this, where they're the ones that want to be with the girl, and that the girl probably should have ended up with, you know, like, yeah. and and he's just too like he's a nice guy. He's a good guy, and he calls it what it is, you know. Yeah, he never came across as like a creep or a loser, or like someone overstepping at any point. He was very good character. So again, this is where I was like, yeah, they really are using Sophie as a plot device because they get the bill from the hospital visit. Yeah. And that's where Holly makes the comment that she's going to have to stop there. She's trying to do an expansion on the restaurant. She's trying, she's trying to, to turn it into a restaurant. Cause she's like counter service now. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. She's trying to actually turn it into a restaurant. And, expand. and in the middle of COVID-19, what a bitch. Right? <laughs> Social distancing my ass. Uh, she'll just have to wall it back up and try again later down the road. But that this is more financial responsibility than I think she was ready for. Messer basically was like, no, hey, you know, I've got savings. I'll pay for it. I'll give you the money. And she's like, no, I can't. I won't take your money. And he won't take no for an answer. So she basically tells him, fine, but I'm not taking it. You're investing. And so he owns a portion of her shop. He gets 2% of profits. He gets like 10% off of food and wine. And and then, and then, he works in there one dinner. Like she has to cook him dinner. I was like, "Oh, smooth!" Yeah. Like he's clearly setting it up. It and only so, cost him like forty thousand dollars. That better so have been they, a good fucking dinner. No shit. So they go to her actual uh, shop, and she's making him a dinner there for their for like a Friday night dinner. And the baby's at home with by itself. The babysitter mm-hmm. by itself, yeah. a full time job selling shit on ebay and <laughs> i got to pay uh, off my parents funeral somehow and <laughs> so jesus <laughs> i'm surprised that they didn't put any financial burden on this baby i mean well, since they're bad people they can say like oh no you're working a paper route because you got to reimburse us for all this shit one hundred percent. This kid's future. Uh, it costs more than forty thousand because there's the amount he pays to help her but then the fact that she wrecks his bike again piece of comedy right where they're outside of the shop and Messer's trying to teach her how to ride his motorcycle and she's got the helmet on he's showing her this is the clutch this is the throttle and she pulls the throttle she and he's like okay just whatever you do like don't let go of the clutch she says let go and she lets it go the bike takes off from under her rolls across the street and hits a mailbox and falls down she's like oh my gosh Messer, i'm so sorry i'm so sorry he's like it's okay it's it's fine it happened are you okay yeah and then a bus comes and runs over his motorcycle and And like the bus kept going the bus gets stuck. It literally like ramps, climbs up on top of the bike and gets stuck because the front wheels are off the ground. <laughs> so. Well, so there's there's actually foreshadowing of that scene. Oh, you mean when the parents died? No. Uh, oh, holy okay. fuck, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, my God. That's an orphan you're making fun of. Fuck orphans. But anywho, the foreshadowing of the bus hitting the uh, bike Mm-hmm. Was when uh, they're early on in the movie, they're trying to calm Sophie down. They're like, the wheels on the bus go round and round. Oh, and yeah. then they go, and the Keanu Reeves saves everyone on the bus. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Because they didn't know how the wheels on the bus with song goes. Yep. That bike was symbolism of Keanu Reeves. So yeah. they go home and they end up fucking that night. Which, was that the first time they went into the master bedroom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm upset. That's gross. That's so gross. It's not gross. It's just mean. Yeah. I mean, it's only mean if they left all the pictures up while they did it. I mean, no, I think they moved the pictures closer. (laughs) Look me in the eyes or I can't finish. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you look at me during? 
The next day is when. Oh no no no! That's you just know what? The first part of the night. Yeah no yeah you missed Wait, part what's two. What's the second part? Remember when they made the the stuff and they ate the stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. he finds the bag of weed that they stole from those kids. Well, I yeah. assume we're long dead by now. Oh, it's got to be. Well, they, oh, maybe like that, every other character. Maybe yeah, maybe the car that they hit or a guy hit by was like that delivery kid getting his revenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> steal my weed will you um, i'll steal your parenthood but she yeah. oh jesus she's like no we are not going to smoke this and then it shows her baking brownies instead i'm like yeah that makes sense like i knew exactly where that was going that's the most inefficient way to make weed brownies it, yeah it's that was 10 years yeah. ago chris the science is coming far away don't do it that way so they make the weed brownies they eat some of them they watch the wiggles while they're stoned, which is really funny. And then they pass out. Sophie's asleep this whole time, by the way. Like she's unconscious. She's good. She's there. Yeah, and she then ate, she ate the most weed brownies. Exactly. She's she's kosher. And then they wake up to the doorbell ringing, and who is it again? <laughs> the social services lady. Also, uh, the plot goblin. The pot. The plot. The, the in this case, almost the pot goblin. <laughs> um, almost. She basically calls them on their bullshit during the interview. She's like, it she, smells like sex in here. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you guys had sex, didn't you? Did she say fucked? No, she didn't say fucked. No, I it was PG thirteen. It was PG thirteen. You get uh, one. Yeah, yeah, they said shit. No, no, you get one fuck. I thought. Wait, yeah. really? Those, yeah, those can't yeah. be equivalent. I would not put those on the same level. Yeah. Eh. You get one fuck. Oh, do I? <laughs> you don't get any. That was mean. I'm sorry. Al. And and she basically calls them on it. And she, again, she's in there dropping truth bombs. And she's like, you need to figure your shit out. And that I know she says shit there. Because I was like, yes, queen, throw it. Yeah. And just, just calling it out. And like, exactly how it is and exactly as it needs to be. And then she tries to take one of the brownies. And... Holly jumps up and basically she slaps the brownie out of her hand. She slaps her hand, which makes her launch the brownie away. I was really hoping she would take a bite and call them on their shit for being inefficient in making weed brownies. Like that. <laughs> would have been the funniest possible scenario. What if she would have eaten the weed brownie, convulsed and died, and then the fucking dot, the mortician was just like, yeah, she died of an allergic reaction to oregano. It's like, wait, that Ooh. was oregano? And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, y'all weren't high at all, you false flagging fucks. Yeah. And then roll credits. That's, that's that's the end of the movie. You know what, Krista? I apologize. I don't have notes from when he he gets his big break and tries to have the taxi driver watch the baby. Oh, that was such a good scene. It, oh, I'm just so confused as to why he's letting the taxi driver drink. He is. Well, he's when like he you brings can't him inside him until after right. the game, and I'm like, but he's a taxi driver. Like the taxi is still there. You're oh yeah. Yeah, he is the one that has to take them home. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. So like, Messer no, gets his big break. I'm down with it. But then he's like, you can. Have beer after the game. Uh, you, know, you know what's kind of weird is uh, for someone whose parents died in a car accident, they sure put this baby in a lot of vehicles. <laughs> Did the baby have a car seat in the taxi? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But he moved it to the front seat when it woke up. Okay. okay. Baby woke up. Baby woke up. <laughs> so Messer gets his big break and yeah. the opportunity to actually direct the footage for one of the games. Uh, Holly has something she has to do for work already, so it's on the calendar that they've made, so she won't watch the baby. She's like, you're going to have to figure it out. And he calls all the different parents in the neighborhood. None of them will watch Sophie for him. So he ends up taking the baby to the game with him and tries to have the cab run the meter and then tries to leave the baby with the cab driver. 
Which he knew. It was his friend. Well, I think it's an acquaintance. It's a, it's a regular cab driver for him. I don't know if he would call him his friend. Close enough. It's not one of some rando that he never met before. <laughs> no, but he's like scraping bottom of the barrel looking for child care. He ends up basically shitting the bed in his one big break to be the director. It does not go well at all. This is where my notes start up again, is when he's at back in the office like the next day, and he's talking with Kumail, and he basically had told him that him and Holly had fucked. Kumail's response was, what are you doing? He was like, you're my last single friend, my last link to the outside world. You're ruining this. And then he he said, you guys are basically married. And he's like, what? We're not married. He goes, you're living together and raising a child. That's as married as it gets. (laughs) This is my, one of my favorite lines. He says, you know what marriage is like? Imagine a prison. They don't change anything. And then don't change anything. It's the dramatic pause that he puts in there, which that's what makes it. The delivery is everything. I I was just cracking up and I was like, thank God Rachel's not down here right now for this part. Nice. Messer gets called in by his boss, who is the usual director, and you're like, oh shit, is he going to get fired or you know, what's going to happen? And they end up throwing a nice little plot twist in here where he ends up getting an opportunity to be the director for the Phoenix Suns broadcast in Phoenix, not in Atlanta, which would require him to move and relocate. And he's given the opportunity to think about it. He doesn't give an answer because at this moment, he's feeling things for Holly and he definitely doesn't want to leave Sophie. He thinks about it. I have a question. The next scene, they're at like the neighborhood party And someone else that, yeah, someone else that works at the studio, I guess, tries to come up and congratulate him on this new opportunity. Uh, Holly did not know about it yet. So Messer hadn't talked to her about it, but I also don't really know how much time had passed. It didn't seem like a lot. Like it it could have been same day or next day, you know? But the conversation made it sound like it had been a couple days. The thing I take issue with here is that he's considered, this is a major decision. The decision is not going to be made same day. It's, It's just not. Uh, I mean, consider all the life changes he's been through in the last six months already. And right. and now also all the new feelings that he's got. Like he has a lot of shit to dig through and figure out what the best route is. So I don't understand why she was so pissed that he hadn't talked to her about it yet. Yeah, that pissed me off. Because she literally went to the complete extreme. I understand being like, well, why didn't you just talk to me? Let's talk it out. Let's figure this out. But no, she jumped all the way to, well, you should just take it. You've been looking for a clean out. She said that and it pissed me off. That was the moment where I was like, fuck you. No, huge decisions are being made and they cannot be continued to be made on a whim. Yeah. Let the man think this is something he's been working towards his whole professional career. Maybe there's a solution here that he's trying to come up with and then he'll talk to you when he's ready. Right. So I, I felt like they hit a point in the movie where they're like, okay, we need to move things along. So we're just going to have her jump to here. Yeah. Like she needs to be a bitch for five minutes because then the next scene is him jogging in Phoenix. That was my, my last, what the fuck moment. I was like, wait, what? I took issue with it because again, I liked certain parts up to this, like the, the, some of the drama I enjoyed even a couple of the comedic bits, usually from third parties, not from the the primaries. I enjoyed, but that that part, I was like, yeah, they're just trying to wrap it up now. That's 100% what it was. Oh yeah. They wrote themselves into a corner. I don't know where to go from here because uh, I know Messer comes back 
to see Sophie. Um, he comes for back Thanksgiving. For, thanks- for Thanksgiving, but because they're supposed to have their last appointment with the plot goblin. And that's really why he's back. So Holly invites him over because they're hosting a Thanksgiving dinner. Sam is living with her now. So she's clearly moved on. So he comes to Thanksgiving and the neighbors are all there again. There was another line from one of the neighbors. Again, the comedic relief here. Yeah. One of the neighbors was talking about doing a couple's karate class. <laughs> and, and I I laugh so hard at the Melissa McCarthy's husband says, what a great excuse to kick your spouse in the face <laughs> every once in a while in a controlled oh. setting, you know, where it's safe. <laughs> oh, he's the Carfax guy. That's where I recognize him. Oh my God. The husband is the Carfax guy. Oh my God, he is. Yes. Sam basically lets it slip. Sam and the neighbors let it slip that Holly is selling the house and she has not discussed that with Messer. And so Messer's like, what the fuck? He approaches her about it. They have a kind of a fight, a, a, a legit fight in the kitchen. And all of the guests are there, all the neighbors, their family, every, everyone's there and they're listening to it. It's the whole, well, you didn't talk to me about this. So why should I have to talk to you about that? Then they get deeper. She's like, I didn't want any of this the way that I got it. I didn't want it with someone that didn't love me back. And Messer was like, but I did. There's that dramatic moment again, right? Where he finally admits it and she has to digest it, but she's already made up her mind on everything. And so uh, he ends up leaving. He says goodbye to everyone and he takes a moment to say goodbye to Sophie. Like at this point, I was actually cheering for him. I was rooting for him and I almost wanted them to end up together for him, not for her. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know how to how else to explain that. Everyone leaves, and then Holly and Doctor Sam have a little conversation, and this is again where it highlights how good of a guy he is, because yeah. he flats out he flat out tells her, "If my ex wife and I fought like that, we'd still be married." That line cut deep. It did. Like, that that was super deep. Good line. I was like, "Shit." Yeah. Like that and again, his character is awesome. He lets her go. But honorably, you know, he's like, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. And I'm going to miss you, but you clearly shouldn't be with me. Fuck, dude. Nice. Well way done. To, way to take an L. It cuts to Holly and Sophie sitting on the bed and Sophie calls her mama. Guys, at that point, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to admit something that I have not done in any of these movies yet. I may have cried a little. Aww. And that so in that moment, sweet moment, in that moment, I said, boom, chick flick. Yeah. So when we come to the end of this and we rate it as a chick flick, I promise I will be rating it as a chick flick. It's not a subgenre of chick flick. This is 100% a chick flick. But then we have the other trope that I think is overused way too much in these films. We have the airport trope. Oh. Yeah. Messer waiting in the airport for his flight. Well, now, would um, this actually be a reverse trope? Why? Uh, because she's coming to him instead. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. But I still think it's overused. Oh, no, definitely. They were like, hey, we'll put her own twist on it. She's coming to him, and she has the social services lady with her. And a baby. And the baby. <laughs> Which, again, the social services lady uh, cracked me up the whole time. They're driving to the airport to try to catch Messer. You and can go she's, faster. And Holly's like, but you're watching me. You're observing she goes, me. <laughs> missing the plane so she speeds up she shows holly buying two tickets to whatever flight gets me nearest to this gate the social service lady goes three i'm not waiting in the car <laughs> best character <laughs> no she was the best character of the whole movie 
Uh, I oh, I would agree. They're running, trying to get through security. Holly takes her shoes off. The social services lady takes her shoes off. And then the security guy's like, you got to take the baby shoes off too. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to take off baby shoes and put them on again? So yeah, but I, many, you know how many baby terrorists there are? She doesn't have to put them on again. The social services lady goes, Just give her to me. You go. She hands the baby over. She's running up ahead to try to find the gate. And she's too late. Flight's already gone. And then we see them just kind of disappointed. Next thing we see is the van pulling back into the house. And you can't see anything in the van yet because of the glare on the window. But you hear crying. Like and hysterical my, crying. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so fantastic if it's not Holly crying. And sure as shit, they show the plot goblin is the one crying. <laughs> She's I like, think I would have been mad if Holly had been crying. Me too. Yes, thank you. We don't see Holly cry like that over the death of her best friend or at any point when she's trying to like figure out this life if this had been what she oh no it just made me so happy because she was like i mean you were we were speeding and then when you handed me the baby so you could run ahead i thought it was gonna gonna be something so sweet just just, Uh, i was like thank you you're the best what if she just looked at the camera and said this isn't how movies are supposed to end Uh, one i also wanted it to be her because up to this point they'd been consistent in being inconsistent of it being a drama or a comedy and i'm like yeah let's keep this portion of comedy let's run with it like don't Mm -hmm. flip back of course i'm like oh he's gonna be waiting in the house yeah he, he got off the plane he got off the plane. I've never shown him getting never shown him get on the plane. And Fine. so I want the friend throwback. Let me have this, Alex. They walk in the house. Janine, the social worker, leaves. Uh, Holly and Sophie come in the house. Messer's waiting in one of the rooms. And this is where he tells See, her, like, dark, all creepy. No, I, I thought this was one of those scenes where the light was weird, like you were t- yeah. describing. Yeah. Because it was like middle of the day. And the way that both of them were standing, he was sitting in front of some windows and she was walking in the French doors. The light just seemed fucking everywhere but i have to say i really enjoyed the line that he delivered here when he said when i'm gone when i was there in phoenix i don't miss her or you i miss us i miss our family and i was like god damn dude bravo it was so well done you know, i loved his character you saw real growth you saw development you yeah. saw change then they do like a little outdoor shot the seasons pass it shows sophie's second birthday so who who was at the party? At the birthday party? At the second birthday party. Not Sophie's parents. No, well, her parents. They, she has new parents. The neighborhood people were again. You know, like, okay. uh, I, I mean, all of them were there. Uh, I saw uh, Holly's mom was there. Um, Melissa McCarthy had another baby. Yep, Melissa McCarthy okay. had another one, yeah. Which, was his coworker there or her coworker? I don't remember seeing I his coworker there. That. Okay, I think there's an argument to be made that the conceit of this movie is it's about two people figuring out what a family looks like. And, like, one of the big, pivotal, like, we're in this, we're going to try and make it work things is when they redecorate the house, right? Mm -hmm. And they try and make it their life instead of pretending to be their friends. But then you get to this birthday party with this girl, this two-year-old who now has a new family. And the only people at this party are, I think, the people who were at her one-year birthday party. Like they They haven't brought in any other aspects of their life. And it just seems like, like if his friend had been in the room or hers or both. Yeah. It would have felt better. Well, their best friends were dead at this point in the movie guys. 
their best friends were dead, but they're trying to build a new family. I just no, feel I, the I, conceit is going to be X. You should take advantage to showcase that. That's a great point. This new family has grown out of tragedy yeah. and it's beautiful. And instead, it still feels like the ghost of Christina Hendricks is hanging over this party. So, Guys, did, did we just rewrite this movie? Yes. <laughs> so can I can I suggest a better ending? Please. Please. So it's a second birthday party, right? Everyone's having a good time. Like, yeah, we're a family. And they take like a picture of the second birthday party. And then like the camera like pans to the background while everyone like, you know, carries on and shit. And it just like kind of zooms into this picture that's on the wall. And it says Sophie's second birthday, 1957. The same way The Shining ended. I thought you were going to go with like a paranormal activity thing where we see the parents in the background or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going Shining. Full, full Jack Nicholson fucking Shining. Okay. I was looking at 2010 era, you know, like that would fit. So. <laughs> sure. But the classics are live forever. Wow. I think we did a pretty good job at wrapping that up, actually. First off, I want to ask, when you guys watched this, did you envision anyone else in these roles? Mm. Honestly, no. No? Mm-mm. Not even no John Travolta. Just because of how they're written. See, that's the thing is this era, 2010, yeah. I felt if it had been four years sooner, it would have been Matthew McConaughey instead. Oh, yeah, oh, totally. I could see Matthew McConaughey doing this. And so I started thinking of my fan cast. Who would I rather have doing this? Nothing against Josh Demel. I thought that he did pretty good, especially more on the drama side. His comedic chops are okay, but I, I liked him more on the serious stuff. This should would have been right up McConaughey's wheelhouse. You know? Oh, absolutely. Like, now, who's his, who's his lady lead in that? Is it Drew Barrymore? That's just it. I No, I think that the age thing is too... What's the... Oh, shit. The woman from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Kate Hudson. Oh, yeah. I could see that 100%. Every time that he said a line or did something, I was just like, I feel like McConaughey (laughs) would have fucking nailed that, you know? (laughs) I almost want to rewatch it now with that thought in my head. Seriously, like you go back and you listen to some of the lines and I'm like, and you give it that little bit, that Texan twang that he's got that he never loses for any role. And (laughs) and you're like, yeah, that's okay. Like, I don't mind that. That's totally fine. It's fucking McConaughey. What are you going to do? Something else came up. The trope with the airport. We've seen repeatedly. Am I missing something? Is this a regular thing that happens in life? Has this happened to either of you? No. no. Okay. No, no one's also ever pursued me though. So, you know, putting it or, down or, in an airport. Or have they, and you just didn't know it because you got on the plane or they wanted you to pursue them, but you didn't go to the airport to chase them. You know what I mean? Like That's all the way in Barnville, man. That's gas. The quicksand can run around conundrum right growing up i thought quicksand would be a much larger part of my life mm-hmm. and it just isn't growing up i thought romantic moments at the airport were just part of life no quarantine is we get to stay inside all the time now <laughs> it's almost the same thing where would you rate this as a chick flick on a scale of uh zero to ten well i would give it probably about a seven or an eight too much okay. death Okay. Too much despair. This is going to so, sound really harsh. I'm going to go with a five. A five. I think it is just middle of the road, like neutral. It's not good or bad. It's just a mishmash of things, and here it is. Okay. I am going to go ahead and give it a 7.25. 7.25, huh? 7.25. A lot of things here hit home for me. Uh, that moment where I, I finally lost it and I cried. There were plenty of times where I was like, I felt my strings getting pulled. You know, my heartstrings get, getting plucked there. And that moment when I cried, I was like, fuck, it's a chick flick. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, this is definitely a chick flick. But then I thought, Alex always says, I just can't picture myself sitting there eating a pint or a gallon of ice cream and, and 
bawling my eyes out and all this. And I'm like, I could absolutely see that with this one. I feel like the humor wasn't humorous enough for guys. That it was just humorous enough to distract from the too much death, as you say, to lighten it up enough to make someone forget about it. I don't think it was... So in that, I felt like it was definitely targeted much more towards women. I don't think the humor was immature enough, if that makes sense. There would have been way more poop jokes and fart jokes and like... (laughs) Yeah, you you know what I mean? And no, there were some actually good, sophisticated comedy in here that with undertones though it was never to flatten your face you know and, and so for that i was like this was more mature and it's definitely something i could see someone watching alone being like i want to be that one or i want to find that one yeah i could definitely smash a gallon of ice cream right now after i cried and so <laughs> so for me i'm like honestly this is probably one of the easiest ones i've seen as an actual chick flick because of the fact that i had an emotional response to it and i was like shit yeah it's a chick flick. um good for you so angry (laughs) it made me it made me i legitimately when it happened i was like oh fuck and like stopped right away (laughs) but yeah i knew that that one would surprise you guys a little bit (laughs) like i had a real moment with it yeah i Um, kind of cried a little bit it's all right yeah so then that always leads us to i think we've sort of evolved to the point of the purpose to the podcast is not just for us to rank these as to whether or not they are a chick flick and then if they are what level but also recommending it would you recommend this and i want to say more would you recommend it i'm looking at it from like my perspective as a partner in a relationship if my significant other were to say, hey, we're going to watch this, would I say, yes, that's the route you should go? Or would I suggest a different chick flick within that same genre? Would you recommend watching this if your significant other wanted to? Uh, yeah, I would. No. Like like my one sentence summary, Catherine Heigl is a jar of mayonnaise. Like she's just- I knew she was the jar of mayonnaise. I knew it. I knew that's who you meant. And then fucking Messer is a bottle of Soko. Like he's just a frat. They're not likable characters to me. And so they're in a situation that's likable. They have a universe that's likable, but it's just a bottle of mayonnaise getting mixed with SoCo and nobody wants that. I am going to say that, you know, if Rachel was like, hey, I want to watch this, I would not turn it off or walk away or you know, I, I'd be down for it. I'd be like, yeah, okay, like we, we can watch that. I don't think I'll watch this again. And while I did struggle with the fact that they couldn't seem to pick a fucking lane, at a certain point, I found myself finally rooting for them. Unfortunately. Good for you. You're right. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, does anyone have anything else? Yeah, Stein, you know, it'd be a really cool bro move right now. What's that? If you and uh, Rachel set me up with one of Rachel's really cute friends, I fuck it up like I usually do anyway. <laughs> and, and then, then, then fuck you guys can you. fucking. No. Well, you got to make no. us godparents. <laughs> and you got to fucking die. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I'll raise your child with one of Rachel's really cute friends. As long as she's got a good personality, too. Yeah, sure. Stein, please don't. So not Catherine Heigl is what you're saying. <laughs> I think Catherine Heigl is gorgeous as shit. I'll, I'll say it. That's not a personality. <laughs> Listen, oh, man. I've had some white Russians. <laughs> Calm yourself. Chick fucks with dicks. All right, um, guys. Well, yeah. I think that wraps it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for coming out and listening. Hope you enjoyed our take on. Oh, fuck. What's this movie called? <laughs> uh, Love Actually? No. Uh, no. <laughs> 
Life as we know it. Life as we know it. Thank you for joining us for our take on life as we know it. We hope you enjoyed it. Get ready to hear more from the three of us. Since we are on lockdown, Krista is going to join us as a pseudo co-host for the interim because I don't want any nasty asses in my house with my three-month-old daughter here. She's probably one of the best people that I trust to be able to be responsible enough to watch the fucking film and be available to talk when we need her to. No surprise. I was responsible and watched it. <laughs> well, hey, thank you both so much for joining. Krista, we really appreciate it. And we look forward to getting oh, some you. more of these. Uh, what did what did Rachel call them? The Corona team? Yeah. No, the quarantine. That's what yeah. it was. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The quarantine. <laughs> The Chick Flicks with Dicks quarantine. So <laughs> we we used to work for Obama's administration as pandemic experts. Then we got laid <laughs> off. Here we are now. Oh man, those were the days. <laughs> oh, All right, guys. Thank you so much. You guys enjoy, and we will talk to you soon. Later. Chick Flicks with Dicks. Oh, oh yeah, it's Chick Flicks with Dicks. Oh yeah, Chick Flicks with Dicks. You know it's Chick Flicks with Dicks. And sometimes Krista. Wang.